0: welcome to the counter narrative podcast a show designed to change the way we talk and think about education by sharing stories of successes and triumphs we aim to challenge the dominant narrative that often negatively portrays our disenfranchised populations i'm your host charles williams an urban educator for more than 15 years, a current school principal in Chicago, an educational consultant, an equity advocate, and the co-host of Inside the Principal's Office. Let's get started. In this episode, I chat with Carmen Daniel the owner and founder of Dare to Dream College and Career Consulting in Cleveland, Ohio. Dr. Carmen is a third generation teen mom and first generation college graduate. She believes that in order to break the generational curses and a perceived deficit thinking plaguing underrepresented students and communities, that educational policies, leadership and financing must be free of systemic racism and oppression. Prior to opening her own educational consulting company, Carmen worked in financial aid at Kent State University and most recently served as the manager for the College Now Greater Cleveland's Federal Gear Up and Educational Talent Search programs for the Cleveland Heights University Heights School District, which serves 1,700 students annually in grades 6 through 12. As a graduate of the Cleveland Heights University Heights School District, Carmen took extreme pride in giving back to the community that helped to shape her educational blueprint. Carmen completed her doctoral research study on a small group of her Gear Up to New Heights students at the end of their sophomore year. The research study focused on understanding black students motivation for pursuing a post-secondary education through a critical race theory lens. Carmen is currently in the process of bringing a chapter of the nonprofit Inspiring Minds to Cleveland. Inspiring Minds uses a cradle to career model and focuses on five areas of impact education, college and career readiness, health and wellness, personal development, and exposure to new opportunities. She obtained her undergraduate degree in hospitality management from Kent State University and a master's degree in higher education administration and student personal from Kent State University. Carmen earned her doctoral degree in educational leadership and innovation from Arizona State University. She's the proud mother of two daughters, Roche and Carmen. During our conversation, we asked an important question. Are we amplifying student voices or are we simply masking our own? All too often, we push students into post-secondary decisions without considering their aspirations. We talked about taking the time to listen to students' stories and helping those experiences determine the pathways that students will take in life. We explore the concept of imposter syndrome and how generational educational trauma impacts our perceptions of school and the choices made beyond primary and secondary. And we even took some time to dream about what school could be if we adopted the scheduling models of higher ed in our lower levels. Are you ready to hear more? Well, let's go. Hello and welcome back to the counter narrative podcast. I'm so excited that you're back with us, that you're listening, that you're watching, whichever one it is that you're doing, maybe both. Um, but thank you and welcome back. Really excited uh, getting to connect with another individual here. And so, you know, we're always talking about expanding our, our, our circles and our networks. And so I'm, I'm really excited to be doing that today. Um, so listeners, you're in for a treat. We have Carmen with us today. So before I go any further, Carmen, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do in education? And my favorite part of this is something interesting about you that maybe not a lot of people know.
1: Okay. Um, first, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Uh, I always tell people I'm like a severe introvert, but uh, it's like my superpower to, to develop and figure out how to be an extrovert. There you go. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I am from Cleveland, Ohio, born and raised uh, here. My educational journey, um, I lived in East Cleveland uh, for from pre-K to fourth grade. Um, East Cleveland is kind of a low income, high poverty, high need school district. Um, and then my mom got on Section 8. She wanted the Section 8 lottery. So we got to move up the hill is what we call it here um, <laughs> to Cleveland Heights, uh, which is a middle class, a lower to middle class neighborhood with a huge Orthodox Jewish population. Hmm, okay. um, so <laughs> we had an interesting time growing up in our neighborhood. Um, So I was in Cleveland Heights from fourth grade through graduation. Um, I attended Kent state university for my undergrad and grad uh, master's degree. And then I just recently got my doctoral degree from Arizona state university. Uh, Thank you. Congrats. Um,
0: Congrats. Yeah.
1: During all that uh, I was a team mom. So I actually uh, had my daughter in ninth grade of high school. So she got to go through all of high school with me and then all of college. So um, she is now in her senior year of high school and getting nice. ready on her college journey. So it's been awesome. Um, I guess the interesting fact about me, most people don't believe that I'm a teen mom because it's the stereotype of who we are supposed to be. So um, I always love getting I can't believe you have a senior. I can't believe you were a teen mom. Like, how did you do that? And <laughs>
0: Yeah, like it's what we do, right? It's what,
1: it's what we, what we do. do. It's what we do. The power of support. So
0: absolutely. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you, thank you for sharing. <laughs> thank you for being on the show. You know, I, I, I always love when I connect. You know, with the guests on the show. You know, I was a teen dad. Um, you know, and my students now—they're like, wait, what? I, I became a dad uh, my senior year in high school. Um, you know, and I tell my daughter now she she's already graduated from high school. But I used to tell her like, you don't have to go to prom. You already went. Like dad, that didn't count. Like, <laughs> so yeah. That was awesome. Well, I'm I'm glad. You know, I, I will say this. You know, I, I'm glad that you know you were able to to take that situation um and, and turn that around um and and I don't know whether or not this is going to be our topic for the conversation, but it, it's okay. it's interesting, right? That like I'm sure being a teen mom, you know, there there was all this... Conversations and things like that around you going through high school, the expectations that were set for you um you know I like I said, I became a a dad my senior year, and so mm-hmm. I celebrated graduation and father's day simultaneously um, but it was like all of a sudden everything shifted because I was one of the top students in the school I had all this scholarship money, and then I became or I found out I was going to become a father in February of my senior year mm. and when that happened everything shifted. I was the same exact person, but all of a sudden the attitudes and belief systems around me all of a sudden were different. Like, well, you, we, I don't know if we should give you this scholarship because you're going to spend it on Pampers. Like that's not how scholarships work. Like I needed to go to school. So I, I, I applaud you because I, I I don't think unless somebody has been in that position, they really understand the struggles and the challenges that it takes to say, I'm going to be a parent. And and I don't know about you, but you know, the girl's mother and I, we weren't together. And so mm-hmm. I used to say, Well, I'm a single father. And they're like, single father? Like, that's not a thing.
1: It's, yeah. it's a thing.
0: Uh, so to to say, hey, I'm gonna raise these children or child. Um, I'm I'm still gonna go to school, right? And in order to raise a child, you have to you have to work. And so to do all of those things at a very very early age, so I I applaud you because I know that some people are like, I'm sure it was you know I'm sure it was hard like you have no idea. So I I applaud you, Carmen.
1: Yes, I'm actually a um, third generation team mom, and I say that with pride now because it used to be a source of embarrassment, but it's like it's part of my story, and I have to own that. Sure. So my grandmother was a team mom, my mom was a team mom, and then I was a team mom. So third generation team mom. Um, and I would say I was the reverse. My parents are married. They were, my mom just passed uh, in July, but my parents are married for 33 years. So I came from seeing this place of like, I want this love that my parents had. So okay. yeah. uh, my daughter's father, me and my daughter's father, we actually ended up getting married. We met in eighth grade and then we got married. Um, we're divorced now, but we're still best friends. Um, so it was like, it was, like I said, I had the support and I, I am so grateful for that.
0: That's wonderful. Wonderful. And sorry so about your mother. I'd like
1: to say, I thank you. I would like to say I broke the generational curse, but I think my mom did because she was like, you're going to college. Hmm. You have another route. You don't have to do what I did. So I would say she broke the curse and we're just pushing it through.
0: There you go. I mean, I mean, the upside is like grandma's like 30, right? And she looked, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there are yes. people that, you know, when, when my daughters and I, we, for example, when we go out, they're like, there's no way that's your child or, or your father. And I'm like, yeah, that's what happens when you have kids young. But it, yes,
1: it is. It, it is what it a is. A blessing. It yes. is. You know, I, I always
0: tell people on the on the flip side, right? It's like, yeah, it's a challenge in the beginning, but guess what? When they're grown and they're out, like, I'm still young enough. Yes. Like, so whereas you're deciding to say, I'm gonna be financially responsible and have a child when I'm 35, like, well, good luck. Right? No, I'm joking. All these you people can have out there. my
1: kid's phone number for babysitting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they'll be yes. Exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, all the all the all the fun story that that should be a whole awful yes. topic. Teen parenting because yes.
1: oh, my kids are yes. like
0: my friends. Hey, do you want to come to my kid's birthday party? They're turning two. I was like, my kid's seventeen. <laughs> I I mean, I'll come. I'll come and support you, but I don't think my kids are coming.
1: Yeah,
0: they're not coming. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, well, Carmen, I I, I want to jump in and, and have this yes. first question here. So I mean, obviously. You know, you, you've been doing this work, right? I know that you listen to the show and, you know, I don't know, again, if we want to kind of go down the topic of, of being a teen parent, but, you know, we really want to highlight, you know, the challenging the narrative, right? There, there are lots of stories out there around, you know, these disenfranchised population, marginalized populations, if you will. And the whole point of this podcast is to bring those to light and say, here's another reality um, like let's, let's shed some light on the other side of this. And so I'm curious in your experience, whether it was yourself or something that you've witnessed, can you share with us one of those examples or a story?
1: Um, yes, actually, uh, my most recent example was, uh, with my work, um, with college now greater Cleveland, which was one of the first nonprofit college access organizations in the country. So I got the opportunity to run our Gear Up to New Heights program at um Cleveland Heights University High School District, which I graduated from. So my research study was on understanding black students' motivation for pursuing a post-secondary education hmm. through a critical race theories lens. Okay. Long title. There, there, there's there's um, there's layers but, here. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I wanted like I think our role as educators, we push this life post high school, but we really never asked our students why. So my challenge to the narrative is like why do they want to go? Like what is their post secondary plans? What is their why? So my research study looked at um looking at the counter narratives and family history around education and what those of uh, family relationships with education and how that impacts our students mm. um decision for post secondary and then looking at how the school has a, a direct role in whether they're um, hindering our students purposely for, or, or not. Um, I like to call it hidden in plain sight. So Cleveland Heights, like I said, the community is about 50-50 Black, White, Orthodox, Jewish. But our high school is about 80% Black. Okay. Um, so all the, uh, the White kids, the Jewish kids, they go to their own schools and they go to private schools. But Um, Our high school has over 100 different AP classes, and we had a presidential scholar, um, but we are plagued as ghetto and urban, and our students aren't achieving, but they're doing all these amazing things, and we have all these amazing programs, but it's not showing in the community, it's not showing in the post-secondary enrollment numbers, so our information is a hidden and plain sight in my. Research, study, uncovered, like, whether it's a school counselor saying you come to school every late, How, you come to school late every day. How are you going to make it to a college class on time? Well, you don't know that mom was working third shift mm-hmm. and they couldn't get to school on time in the morning because they had, they had to wait until she got there to relieve her as a babysitter. So you can't automatically say you're doing this in high school. So this is your path post high school. So um, I think that's the biggest thing is to help our students see the value in their story and how that kind of can shape where you go next.
0: Wonderful. Well, Thank you. So, you know, immediately <laughs> there, there's two things that I, I see here. Right. So. Um, so first, and I'm sure, like, please, please don't get tired of me. But there, I, I was just at this conference this week weekend, the ASCD conference, and I was uh, sitting in the session with Baruta Kafele, uh, Principal Kafele, amazing individual. So that's the person, because I'm sure he's like Charles, like, like stop, stop talking about me. Um, but he, he talked literally about this, you know, that we, a lot of times we, we surround this high school student and we say, hey, we want you to go to school. We ramp you up. We're going to take you to college visits. We take you there, right? We find, we help you find scholarships. We do all of these things and we get you to campus and we're like, awesome. You made it. Go be amazing, and then they leave, and then the kid is sitting there like, "Whoa, wait a minute, what what am I doing?" Right? Because along that journey, along that pathway, nobody really stopped to ask that student, "What do you want to do?" And and so I heard that you know as you mm-hmm. were talking, like, are we listening to the voices of our students to figure out what it is that they want to do post high school? And 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 a lot of times we as adults we're like, "Whoa." we've been there we know so we're going to tell you what's best for you right? <laughs> right but then but now now go do it and it's like that isn't what i want to do you know and we were there right we we know what that's like to say i wanted to go this route but you pushed me in this direction and so now i'm trying to figure out how to how to make you happy but nobody's really taking the time to listen to me I, i'm exactly. curious when you when you were doing your research is that any has that ever surfaced
1: Yes, actually, um, a lot, uh, because students then take on those thoughts as their own, and it's not necessarily your own thought because you might believe you can. Like our my students are amazing; they believe that they can be an astronomer, a, a cardiologist, whatever. Um, but you'll hear them say, "But I'm not good at math. Precalculus is killing me." my teacher is making it extra hard. So I don't know if I can follow this path. Well, that's not really your, your thought. Like that's the grade you received on this assignment mm-hmm. in this environment that might not be conducive to your learning style. College is an opportunity for a new experience. And that, I think that's what I try to get my students to understand, like you're given four years to really define who you are and learn and figure out how to you learn. And um, we talk a lot about like changing the language around college because they'll say college, but then they'll be like, I don't want to go to college. I want to go to trade school. Well, that is that's college. Mm-hmm. So it's just, again, just getting them to, to think about it in a different way. Like your goal is the same. If you want to work with people and you love people and you want to be a doctor, in seven years of college is in your path right so what's we have to figure out what's blocking you to make you think that you can't do this seven years even though this is really what you want to do it's people along that path that might be just unintentionally blocking you
0: yeah yeah uh, you know we it's I always find it like the serendipity in these things right so um today's a Wednesday uh so every Wednesday my staff and I we meet together and Uh, Every once in a while, we do these things called courageous conversations. And today I was teaching them. I said, we've got to talk about shifting from discourse one to discourse two. Right. And so college was one of the things that we talked about, even though we're a K through eight school, we used it as an example of, hey, you, you could go to trade school like that's a viable option. But on the other side, on that discourse two, instead of just externalizing and saying, well, they chose this thing to say, what role did I have? did I already have a preconceived notion that this child probably wouldn't make it to college? And as you mentioned, kind of those grades, right? And so then what impact did that have on this child? Well, you're not really a scholar. So maybe I'm not going to recommend you for an AP class or you're not really a scholar. So I'm going to, you know, that's going to be reflected in your grades and we know that grades are full of you know, bias and all of those things, but it's like, and then we step back and say, well, they didn't go like, but that's not me. That was a choice they made. And then, I love the fact that you're saying we have to consider what role did we play? Even if we don't realize it, as we said, hidden in plain Mm -hmm. sight, what role did we play in the outcome of that child?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was just working with a senior. Um, Her parents are undocumented, but she's a a DACA student. She is a a United States citizen. And she had a teacher tell her, don't do the FAFSA. You, You won't qualify for anything. But one counselor told her, "Go see Dr. Daniel, I bet she can help you so that she ended up being full Pell Grant eligible and eligible for all of our Ohio state grants. she would end up leaving ten thousand dollars on the table, so she's going on a full ride. That's awesome, essentially, um because she's gonna stay at home and commute so But she would have never done that had we one person not intervened on the conversation
0: so I guess my question, and I don't know if this came up during your research or just something that you see in in doing Mm -hmm. the work that you do, we we recognize this. I don't think that this is brand new. You know, many of the conversations that we have and we talk about in education, there's nothing new about it. They're they're the same things over and over. So why is it that we continuously find ourselves down this pathway where we are coaching students in a direction? that may not be the best for them, but you know, it's what we believe. Why, why do you feel that we consistently do that?
1: Um, honestly, I, I, I personally suffer from imposter syndrome and I'm like coming out of it. Um, daily. Oh, I appreciate the and honesty. I think it's because it's, it's really like the educational, I call it educational trauma. Um, and it's generational. So if your grandparents, Maybe your grandparents hated school. Like your grandpa, he was a class clown. He didn't like going to school. So then he became a parent. And maybe school wasn't like as important. Like you gotta go, you gotta get grades. Like just go and get finished, right? That's the narrative. Just go and get finished. Just get finished with school and then start your life. So if you grow up with that mindset that school is just something to get finished with, then we can never grow as educators. I think our um our Innovation in education is huge on small scales. Um, I don't think the Department of Education does a good job of really pushing innovation and really encouraging us um, as school districts and educators to just open up the books and look at education from a different way. Our kids are telling us, especially post-COVID, this traditional 8.30 to 2.56 uh, or 3 o'clock, that's not going to work. And that they want personalized learning. They want to learn about the things that they're interested in. And how can we then turn our common core curriculum into something that they actually want to come and do? So I think that's why we're not getting anywhere, because we keep doing the same things every year. Like, it's a new standard, but it's it's like, they don't want to do it. I don't want to learn about algebra 2 if I'm going into poetry writing. Like, that's literally not going to help me. But what will help me is learning measurements because I might own a house one day um, and I might need to put up curtains. So just helping them understand, like, these skills are needed. Um, It will help you later, but we just have to do it different. I
0: absolutely agree. You know, it's a it's um, it's a very centralized approach. Right. Like we I think as we saw, you know. We were able to put and not for everybody and it, it all depends on situations mm-hmm. but we we're able to really put the learning in our students hands and you know for those students like me right I, I was always an early riser like I could wake up early and, and jump on and, and and knock out assignments and get some work done right and be done whereas another student might say I need lots of sleep I'm gonna wake up at 10 11 o'clock and that's yes. when I'm functional <laughs> and then I can get going and you're right like within a traditional school, That doesn't work, but it's like if only there was a place where people were able to kind of pursue these courses and kind of do it in their own unique way. I mean, like I don't know, like a college or something. Like
1: that's so crazy. It exists. (laughs) There is a model we can exist. Like you know, just bring it down. But
0: I think you know, a lot of times we feel like, well, that's it's okay because it's for adults. Like kids can't handle those types of things. And, you know, it's again, it's this very much we control that narrative to say you can't. So therefore, we're going to create what we think is best for you. But then when it doesn't work, then we get very upset. Well, how come it's not working? How come you're not? And it's again, it's that discourse one, a lot of you, 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 you know, as opposed to saying, what can we do differently to make sure that you're successful? Because, well, now we got to own up to it. Right. And we haven't done that in years.
1: No, or right.
0: That's why we're still in reform. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're still trying to figure out how to work with first generation students. Like it's a like you guys haven't figured out how to support and retain first generation students. Like our second generation students are now not faring so well because maybe they had a parent that went to a for profit and closed, and now they have this negative stereotype about student loans in the college process. Or especially speaking to people in my generation where we were just pushed to go to college, like, just go, just go. Um, Now we have a lot of people that went to college with no degrees and now have kids and their kids like, well, my mom's still successful. She went and it, it didn't matter. So we have to change because our second generation students, that gap is not as far as we as it once was. And we're actually doing more work to convince them to go.
0: Well, you, you, you know, I, every time you say that, I love this, right? Because every time you say things, it's like there's all these different pockets, right? It's <laughs> I, I, I absolutely agree the idea that you know there's that that trauma, right? So I'll I'll be honest, right? And if they're listening, sometimes I'm sure the girls listen, uh, but their mother and I we <laughs> we got into an argument because it was in her mindset. She's like, I don't want them to take out loans. I don't want them to have to do these things because that's what we had to do right and so you come out of that saying okay well now i'm going to have to work until i'm 97 to pay off student loans and it's like nobody oh. told me like that's not okay that isn't what education should be but we were told go to school right and and so we did and we're we're trying to navigate it and so you know we we kind of came from these two different camps where she's like i don't want them to come out and neither do i but at the same time we're not in a place where we can make those things happen and so Absolutely. There's a turnoff, right? Why, why bother going to school when that's only going to put you in debt? Or as you pointed out, there's a bunch of people graduating. They, they maybe get a degree, but now you're working alongside somebody who maybe doesn't have it. Like, you're, you're no further along. So what's the point? And I, I think our students now, and there's nothing wrong with it. It bothers, I think, adults, but they're they have no qualms saying, I need to know. Like explain this to yeah. me and tell me why. And if we can't, it's like, then it's stupid. And we get so upset. Like, just just do it because I said so. Like that's, it doesn't work anymore.
1: It doesn't work anymore. No, these kids are like, no, you're going to explain to me why. <laughs> and that's like, or I'm not doing it. Um and that, you know, it's it's power in that as well. But like I said, if we're not willing to change, then our, we're just going to continue to be frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there was, you know, people love to talk about the learning loss from COVID, but like the social emotional loss, like it's our biggest challenge. Like they've been at home by themselves essentially for two years. So they're kids, but they're kids that have had independence mm-hmm. and we have to honor that. Um, and I, I say this generation is interesting because they were born in a post-war world. Like they see things in a different way and they need to be explained where we were encouraged to ask why, ask why but I didn't really ever expect the answer back. <laughs> <laughs> they are encouraged to ask, ask why and want to answer and then want you to change it.
0: <laughs> well, and, 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 you, you know, so, I, I also think that, that on added to that, if we asked why and we were given a reason we really didn't have anything else but our students yeah. now they live in an information world so if i give uh-huh. you a reason that conflicts with something else you like you have a vast connection of individuals that are feeding you information whether it's accurate or not right like i wouldn't necessarily trust all those people on tiktok but <laughs> But it's, you're having an influx of information and our students are trying to navigate to say, well, you're telling me this, but they're saying this, but I read this over here. When we were younger, it was like, well, this is why. All right. You're the adult. I know I trust you and I'm just going to go with that thing. You know, it's it's just interesting kind of how these things are shifting, you know, and we're staying in there. And so I, I always like, because I'm sure there are some listeners right now that are like, yeah, like this is what I do, right? We're we're experiencing mm-hmm. the same things in our school, or maybe I'm guilty of pushing students in a direction. And and listeners, if you, if you are like, I just had a, a a moment with my daughter. We sat down for coffee the other day, and I asked her. I said, "Do you feel like I pushed you into Purdue because that's where I went to school?" And I said, "Because if you like, if that is what you feel like, just like, I don't care where you go." Like, I I just want you to pursue what you want to do. And I just had to have that conversation with her because having these, right, this is the whole point of reflecting and growing. I, I talked about Purdue all the time and I felt like, is she there because she wants to be there or is she there because I'm trying to make dad happy, right? And and I really yeah. had to sit down with her and say, like, I, what will make me happy is you pursuing your dreams, in whichever direction that looks. And so my my daughter, who's a, a high school senior right now, she just got accepted into the Culinary Institute of America, right? It's...
1: Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank
0: you. So, you know, it's not a four-year school. It's like, it's like no, dad, I want to go be a chef. Let's make this thing happen, right? And so I'm yes. curious then, it took me a lot of time to get there. So what kind of... Con- or what ideas or tips or whatever you may have for some of our listeners who... Who may be struggling right now and realizing, yeah, I'm guilty of some of those same things.
1: Um, my I think my biggest tip is to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and to listen with intentionality to hear. Um, I think because when students start talking, we as adults just get in our head of like how to answer. Like, I want to fix your problem, I already know. But so we just need to listen. And when they're telling us that. Um, I'll give a great example. Um, I have a student, Dwayne. He he believes he wants to be a cardiologist, okay. but he loves writing stories and creating novels. He wants to create TV shows, and Grey's Anatomy is one of his favorite shows. So I'm like, Dwayne, like you're doing all this research, uh, but you you don't you you really hate math, you really hate science, and I was like, Do you want to be a cardiologist because you like the show? because if that's the case then that's where your strength is you understand medical terminology so when you're building your show because you love writing mm-hmm. that's really where your passion is cuz I'm listening to you every day and you got 15 stories lined up this is kind of like let's let's push this and let's let's look at different universities that might have where you can minor in medical terminology mm-hmm. And just get that experience. Let's find some summer internships where you can go. We got their juniors now. So you have this summer and really next summer for really your whole life yeah, yeah. Um, to figure out what you want to do. But like, let's get some exposure to these different things and see if you actually want to do it. So I really think the tip, listen to your kids. Um, I know it's hard to do because even with my senior, like, I'm like, you got to write these essays just because like, and she's like, no, I'm stressed out. I got to listen. Like she's frustrated. Mm -hmm. I had to create her a plan. Like this is due on this day. This is due on this day because she's like AP studio art. I got to do this. I have to do this. And I think we're just like, you're a kid. I have to pay bills. Why are you frustrated? (laughs) (laughs) So, <laughs> I think we just need to listen more and then actively do things to help them find their their why cuz they don't know and not, they shouldn't have to. I,
0: yeah, you know, it's it's a powerfully simple thing. Let's just listen. Let's see what they have to say. Mm-hmm. And and then be facilitators, right? No kind of say, "Okay, that's where you want to go. <laughs> let let me help you get to that space." But the fact I think one of the things that I love the most about what you just said was It's okay if you don't figure it out right away. You have your entire life. Like we, I think we've kind of constrained these things, right? Like you have to do this by this age. You have to do this by this age. You have to like, why? Who, who, who said any of this? And instead you're, you're pursuing and chasing after this dream to say, well, I gotta be, you know, I gotta graduate by the time I'm this, right? I I have to be a homeowner by the time I'm this, I have to be married and, no and, and and i really love that some of the gen right my my, my wife and i we have one granddaughter i mean granddaughter grandson Aww. grandson like i don't know why i said granddaughter uh, we have one grandson right now and we kind of joke like he may be the only one right because as growing up there were certain things that okay. were expected and now they're like no like, okay. we if if we had loans coming out of school i want to get a good job i want to pay like those structures that you've created that says this is what you must live within you're like, they're starting to break them and it makes us uncomfortable. Like you can't just cohabit together for 40 years and never get married or have kids. Like that's, that's not the American dream.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know what? It's
0: maybe not the American dream, but it's, but it's your dream. And if that's your dream, then that's okay.
1: It's okay. Um, I, I think I was listening to a comedian. I can't remember which one, but he was like, you're only so much percent done. So I'm 33. I'm only 33 percent done with my life. Like it's like if if 100 percent is the goal, then I have a lot of a lot of life left to live. So what am I going to do with that remaining? Percentage that I have. So I think it's just, again, changing that narrative and conversation, even around time, like you said, like you have the time. It's just, what are you going to do with it? That's my favorite time, thing students. We're not like, it's seven years. I'm like, well, where what were you planning on doing during that time? Working?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Something? <laughs> Becoming an influencer? So, like.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is cool, but was like, let's figure out a blueprint for that. Like, what does that actually look like? So you're not like out here wondering, it's not fun. It's not, it's not, it's really not fun to wonder. I'll be honest. (laughs) I I
0: remember going to college campus uh, with my daughter while she was looking and she was like, yeah, I want to be an influencer. I want to be like on social media and all this. I was like, sweetheart, like, and, and I was, I was in that antiquated mindset because again, that's what we grew up with. I was like, that's not a thing right? Like you need to go and pick a career. And one of the the people giving us the tour was like, oh no, we have this social media like avenue. And I was like, wait, what? And so of course now my daughter's excited. And I was like, no, that's not supposed to be a thing, but it, it's a thing, right? So, oh, so I love that. Just, just listen, just listen. So, you know, if if you're out there and you're listening or if you're watching and you're struggling with this, like, it's not our job. It's not our place to control what happens, but instead let's listen and facilitate and, uh, and allow our students, uh, our family members, even right. Our own children to yes. live the dream that they want to dream. And, and so I, I, that is what I'm getting out of this. And so I want to say thank you for that, uh, Carmen.
1: You're welcome.
0: <laughs> so Carmen, as we wrap up, like, I, I know I say this almost at the end of every, I look up and I see the time. I'm like, really, how did, how did that happen?
1: I know, Um, but I'm
0: sure there are individuals who are listening and and they're like, she, she has this wisdom, even at 33, right? She has the wisdom Mm -hmm. of somebody much older. That's what happens when you have kids young. Um, Yes. So how might uh, (laughs) listeners connect with you?
1: Yes. So actually um, I am opening my own consulting company called dare to dream. Um, It's a educational consulting firm. Again, just trying to reach those people um that need a more personal touch that really holistic let's get down to the family root of what's your why um so they can follow me at dare to dream um cle on instagram um i am also bringing i'm so excited to announce that um i am bringing a chapter of inspiring minds uh which is a nonprofit youth development organization um to cleveland Please. um and they are so, I'm going to say dope. Dope is one of my favorite words. They are so dope because uh, they have this cradle to career philosophy. Okay. So we don't just leave you after high school. It's how can we get you through college? Yeah. What does your career look like? Let's wrap around. Again, let's wrap around and give you that hug and just make sure your your path is highlighted. Um. So I would say follow me on social media, Twitter uh, at Dr. Carmen Camille. Um, and LinkedIn at Carmen Daniel, you can find me. Um, like I said, I'm finding my voice, me. so this has been an awesome experience, and uh, you'll hear me screaming loudly coming
0: soon. <laughs> well, I love it. I love it. And you know, if there's any way that I could be of a, any of assistance, I would love to. And um, you know, we could talk off air. Uh, you know, there there's a lot of individuals out there who are doing similar work, and you know, they want to lend yes. a hand uh, as well as just you know, supporting, supporting fellow educators. And so, uh, you know, you talked about being dope and Andre Dowdy out in Oklahoma, that, that is this thing, dope (laughs) teachers. Um, so definitely, you know, there's a network out there, so keep up the amazing work. You're only 33% of you have a long time go. even though I'm curious about those people who are like 102, like now you're just stealing time from, no, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we are going to close out. So I appreciate you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being amazing. And I cannot wait to see everything that is in your future. And, and I hope to be able to sit back one day and be like, she was on my show one day.
1: Awesome. That's amazing. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank
0: you. you. Until next time. Yes. I want to thank you for listening to the counter narrative podcast if you're enjoying the show please be sure to like subscribe and of course share it with friends and family i'd also love to hear your thoughts about the show so please leave a comment or two as well now i'm not sure what platform you're using but the show can be found on anchor google podcast apple podcast spotify and plenty of other platforms If the show isn't on your preferred site, let me know, and I'll be sure to get it up and running. This podcast is also featured on schoolrubric.com, where you can find educational articles, videos, and interviews with educators from around the globe. Be sure to connect with me and other listeners by following the show on Twitter at The CN Podcast and joining the show's Facebook group. Take care.